Welcome to Easter weekend. How are we doing? And our worship team got us off to a great start. And I'm excited whether you're watching us online or here, you know, in the building this time. So grateful for that you're here this week. And Easter is uh, full of traditions, uh, whether it's the ham, whether it's the family coming over, uh, whether it's the dying eggs, or whether it's the Easter egg hunts that take place. Uh, one of my favorite, you know, Easter memories took place a number of years ago when I was a pastor in Arizona, and we had an Easter egg hunt. And uh, just like normal, when the countdown began, five, four, three, two, one, we had an overzealous about eight-year-old um, who decided to find his own path, and uh, there was a couple bricks that were in front of him, and he decided to clip his foot on the bricks right when his dad was specifically taking pictures of him, and this is what he caught him doing. No awe, that's epic. It was one of, my, one of my favorite Easter moments. And it's, uh, the best thing is, is you can see eggs are everywhere. And he jumps up, and, you know, he's, got, he's spitting grass out of his mouth. And his dad just looks at him because he's just stunned. And his dad just says, come on, buddy, you got it. And he's like, okay. And he just keeps going. So he's completely fine, although that picture looks like he went to the hospital and he's been in a wheelchair ever since. But he's completely fine. You know, but talk about an, oh, your expression was actually mine when I saw it in real life. I'm just like, oh, is he going to be okay? The pain, you know, that can associate, you know, with an Easter weekend or just uh, even in our lives. And, and seriously, we all go through pain. All of us experience at some level, whether it be physical, emotional, you know, mental, you know, kinds of anguish or pain that we have on a regular basis. And I believe that pain is something that all of us can identify with. And so we're going to look into a passage in God's word where people went through a series of pain, but came out on the other side way better. And so if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 11. Uh, and if you don't, don't worry, it's going to be on the screen as we go through as well. But it starts with this, a, a, a pain point in a person's life. It says, a man named Lazarus was sick. You know, in the last couple of years proved to us that sickness is not fun. There's a painful experience, you know, for us as well as those around us. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Now her brother, again, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. Now if the Bible repeats itself, it's really trying to get a point across. Three times, he's sick. Now the reason it mentions it three times, if you look at the original Greek, basically they're saying he doesn't just have a cold Jesus, he's on the verge of death. And Jesus knows this, and then a discussion begins with his followers, saying, what are we going to do? And so Jesus decides to not go and help his friend, but to stay where he's ministering for a few more days. And then he tells, and he informs his disciples this in verse 14. So he just tells them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you'll really believe. Come, let's go and see him. So when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus has already been in his grave for four days. Now just let that pain moment just sink in for a second. Not in terms of Lazarus, he's not in any more pain at this point, but imagine being one of his sisters, Mary and Martha, 
and just the agony that they're going through. See, it wasn't just the loss of their brother that was a painful experience, but in Jewish culture, based on our understanding of the scriptures, is that he was also their financial provider. Because women didn't often work, and so if they didn't have husbands or fathers, which is no mention that they had any at that time, then their brother would be responsible to take care of the family, which is why they were all living under the same Roof. So not only do they have a pain point of the death of their brother, but also their financial income to actually be able to move forward. But I don't think that Martha and Mary are alone. I think we've also suffered different types of pain. In fact, uh, how many of us have asked or heard other people ask, if God is real or loving, why does he allow bad or painful things to happen in my life? It's one of the greatest questions that gets asked on a regular basis. If he's so loving, if he's so you know, uh, uh, caring, and if he's a God who cares, then why do all these things happen to me or to those around me who I love? See, the next four weeks, we're going to kick off a new series, and we're going to dive fully into that. Why pain? In fact, the title of the, the series is going to be called The Purpose of Pain, and I want to encourage you to come back because I don't have time in the few minutes I have to really unpack that, but I do want to give you some hope as we go through that. Because if you've ever asked that question, if you ever had a friend that asked that question, guess what? Mary asked that question, Martha asked that question, and the crowds asked that question. See, in verse 18, it says, Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, And many of the people would come to console Mary and Martha in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know what she's asking? Why didn't you come? We've seen you heal. We've seen you take care of others. Why in the world would you let our brother die? Was it just her question? Because verse 32, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. She wasn't there for Martha's question, but it's the same question. God, if you had been there, this wouldn't have happened. We've seen you heal other people. Why couldn't you heal Lazarus? And it wasn't just them. The entire crowd wondered in verse 37, but some said this man, Jesus, healed a blind man. They had seen this happen. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? If there really is a loving God, why does this awful stuff happen in people's lives? I wonder, as I talk about pain, if you can think about some of your own. You take a moment, you know, I know we celebrated, but I need us to go there for just a few minutes and then we'll come out of it in just a second. But maybe you've heard, you know, the phrase, you know, I, I have to let you go. You know, I'm sorry, but you know, you're going to lose your job. Uh, maybe you've heard the phrase, you know, um, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Maybe you saw your parents, you know, go through something like that. Uh, maybe you've heard the phrase, I'm sorry, but you have cancer or you find out somebody else has a disease like that. Or, or maybe you heard the phrase, I'm sorry, but your friend or husband or someone has been in an accident or they've actually passed away. I I think about pain in my own life, you know, the different seasons that I've had. And do you know what happens if you've ever been there and if you've ever gone through that pain, this is what it feels like. It feels like your life is in pieces, right? If you've ever had any type of real pain in your life, you're looking at your life going, things were good. And now they're in pieces. I remember in my own life that there was actually a season where my dad was passing away. He had an incurable disease. That my marriage with my wife was not going well at all. The church that I was leading as the lead pastor had some major turmoil in it. 
I was suffering from anxiety and some depression because and through all of this, and oh, by the way, even as a pastor, my relationship with God was not going well. Everywhere that I looked, I was looking at my life in pieces, trying desperately to try to put it together. And I know that's how Mary and Martha felt, and I know that's how you have felt at some point in your life. See, this is the scene that Jesus is walking into. And for today, in just a few moments, I want to give us some perspective into the story. You see, Jesus jumps in and begins to relate immediately with there in our pain. He relates to this. In verse 33, it says, When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. And they told him, Lord, come and see. See, Jesus gets angry. It's one of the stages of grief, isn't it? I don't know about you, but when I go through pain, I don't stay in sadness right away. I usually get ticked off. I usually get angry. I usually cry out, why me? Or why is this happening? Or what's wrong with this place? Or I start blaming other people. I get angry. I love the humanness of Jesus, that he relates to us in our pain. And then we see this in verse 35 and 36, shortest verse in the Bible. Then Jesus wept. He wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved them. See, Jesus mourns along with us. Jesus mourns along with us. One of the greatest things that someone can do in our pain is just to sit with us, isn't it? Just to sit, not to say anything, but just to relate to what we might be going through. But Jesus gives us hope in the midst of our pain. He gives us hope. See, in verse 21, it says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. This isn't comforting Jesus, but then Jesus told her something she didn't expect. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying, and everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. See, that's the hope that we invite you to celebrate on this day. During this weekend, and if you're a follower of Christ, all year long, Jesus is our resurrection, and Jesus is our life. That's who he is. You see, you need to understand something, and maybe this is new to you when it comes to Christianity, but Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to bring the dead to life. That's the biggest difference. See, Ephesians chapter two tells us this. So, but God is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead, how? Because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. That's why the resurrection is so important. It is only by God's grace that you and I are saved. And then the question that Jesus asks Martha is the question that I have to ask you because Jesus is asking you is, do you believe this? This is what he says to Martha. Do you believe what I am telling you? Now, to believe is not just an intellectual agreement with what is true. It's not just knowing that something is true. It's actually putting into practice. A couple weeks ago, I was in Southern California and visiting some family members, and, and, and uh, my, my sister-in-law was beginning to teach you know, her daughter how to drive. And, and one of the stories that she was telling us is that every time they tried to tell her or inform her, hey, maybe it's a good time to brake, maybe it's time to put on your blinker signal, maybe it's time to put on the gas, maybe it's time not to hit the car in front of you, you know, maybe it's time to do all those things. Every time they gave her instructions, do you know what she said? I know that, mom. I know that, Dad. I know that. 
And the difference is she's never done it, so she don't know jack squat, (laughs) right? She knows it, she's seen it, she's trying to do it, but she doesn't know it until she actually does it. In the same way, when Jesus is asking, do you believe this? It's not just I know about it, it only becomes true in our lives when we actually step into it and to begin to live it. Does it become something that we know experientially? That's what the Bible is talking about there. So then we unfold the story. Roll the stone away, in verse 39, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been in the dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Okay, so that's, that's, that puts the Bible to life, right? This is not going to be a pleasant experience for anyone. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. What a imagine, imagine seeing this. Imagine, imagine witnessing this experience. I mean, you're sitting there. Imagine being Mary and Martha. You have just gone from extreme loss and pain to overwhelming joy like that. Just in an instant, you have seen the pieces of your life come fully back together. And what a foretaste of what Jesus was going to do himself in a little over a week from this time. But let's take this a step further. As you examine your own life, what area of your life do you need to experience a resurrection? What area of your life do you find yourself not doing really well in? And maybe it's for those of you who are followers of Christ that you've heard this story before, you have said you believe, but you know there's some dead areas in your life. See, John 11 verse 44 says this, and the dead man came out, And his hands and feet were bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. (laughs) Don't miss this. This is how my brain works. How did he get out? (laughs) Lazarus was the first Easter bunny. Just just so you know. First one. (laughs) It's like... Like, where did we get the Easter bunny? It's Lazarus. It says in the Bible, he still, his legs are wrapped, his arms are wrapped, he's mummy-like, his face is, you know, you know, so he's alive, but he's still bound by the grave clothes, isn't he? He's alive, but is he experiencing life? Let me say it this way. He's been resurrected, but he's not experiencing the life yet. He's experienced the resurrection of life, but he's pretty bound up in what he's experienced in life so far since he's been resurrected. And I believe that that's where many of us find ourselves on a regular basis. Some of us are still tangled in grave clothes. We still find ourselves, maybe to say, yes, I believe, but we still find ourselves continually entrapped. And you might say, by what? See, after you've been resurrected, you need to understand that so much of the New Testament in our Bibles is written to Christian people. So it's written to Christian folks, and this one may relate to you. It's one we actually read last week in Galatians chapter 5. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results, the grave clothes are still on. 
And it's very clear on how it looks like. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. You might find yourself bound in sexual immorality, impurity, and lustful desires. You know, maybe that's what got you tangled up and you're trying to be free, but you find yourself pretty bound. Maybe it's idolatry. See, idolatry is putting anything above or ahead of God in your life, even good things. I can't tell you how many parents put kids above God, and the very gift of God becomes the idol that replaces him, and you find yourself not living the life that Christ has called you to live. Oh, you're resurrected, but you're not experiencing that life. Maybe it's quarreling or jealousy or outbursts of anger. Do you have any issues with other people in your life that you haven't dealt with, and you're slowly suffering and going through pain in your life. Maybe it's selfish ambition. The world revolves around you, but you know as you pursue the things in life that you want to, you find other things suffering. Maybe it's the dissension, division, and envy. Do you have any issues with other people as it pertains to division that you need to humble yourself and go make right? Maybe it's drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Do you have a substance abuse issue? You've been trying to overcome on your own, and you've been resurrected, but you're bound. You're not living the life that God has called you. He wants to set you free, not just raised to life, but live a new life. That's why he is the resurrection and the life. He's not just one. He is both. See, a resurrected life is not one without broken pieces. So many people believe that I can't come to Jesus, I can't believe in Jesus until I get my issues straightened out. Unless I get those things, I, I feel shameful of the things that I've done in secret that, that maybe nobody else knows about. Guess what? God already knows and he still loves you. That's what's encouraging about the resurrection you know, as it pertains. But it can be hard as you look at the broken pieces either that has happened to you or that you have done yourself. You know, in Japan... There is a tradition involving broken pottery. It's called kitsuji. Kitsuji is when a piece of pottery is broken. Instead of scrapping it and calling it garbage, they see possibility for something beautiful. They see value by putting it completely back together. And what's fascinating is they don't put it together with glue. They, don't, they put it together with gold pieces melted together or other precious metal. You can look it up on your own. And what's fascinating about this idea of pottery is that they take what has been broken that doesn't seem to have any value and they put it together and it actually has more value than it was if it was actually a hole in this state. That's what Jesus is offering. You and I are imperfect people. We have all jacked up issues of our lives. And we get to come because of Jesus being the resurrection and the life. He takes our broken pieces and he puts them back together, making them more valuable than they were in the first place. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That's why we can celebrate on this day, even as we struggle with issues, that Jesus makes us whole and more valuable than before. Now, for those of you who have heard the story of Lazarus, it's not quite over. You see, there are six words that I have yet to mention and it's the final six words of the chapter in verse 44. After Lazarus has come out, he's bound in his grave clothes. Jesus tells them, unwrap him 
and let him go. It's one of the coolest things. See, God is calling all of us and giving us the opportunity that after we have received him, that you and I get to partner with God in helping others unwrap their grave clothes. See, we're never to go through this life by ourselves. The church is not a place to go to. It's a people to belong to. It's a community. It's a family. It's you and I. That's why we call it Valley Real Life. Well, let's be honest. I'm jacked up, so are you. And we have two jacked up people serving a perfect savior and we get to help each other on the journey. Jesus could have been the one to walk over to Lazarus. He could have been the one to actually unbound him. But he says, you know what? I'm going to involve my people in doing my work to see God's good in that person. That's what you're invited into. It's not only a relationship with Christ, but a community so that this can take place in this life or for sure in the life to come. And so imagine what your life could look like as you embrace Jesus, get untangled, and, hunt, and help untangle other people. Imagine how you could leave this place, whether this is your first time coming to church, whether you're watching online, or whether this is your thousandth time and you know that this applies to you as well, that you can walk out of here different then you came in by saying and answering this question, do you believe this? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this time, for this opportunity, just to be able to just present this before you. And I pray, Father, that you would just allow us right now, wherever we're at, whether we're watching online or in the room, if you're here and you want to accept and answer yes, I pray that you'll pray this prayer after me. Jesus, I receive you as my resurrected Lord. Teach me what it means to follow you so that I can experience the life that you promise. Father, I pray for everyone in this room that we would just be honest before you and admit that we've got some broken pieces in our lives. And we want to give that over so that we can be made whole in this life as well as in the life to come. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.